Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll begin a study of the book of James in the New Testament. James is a book that was written by the brother of Jesus, possibly as early as 40 to 50 AD. James reveals in his letter that God's people have been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire because of persecution. Being separated from one another threatened the unity of the body of Christ. So James writes a letter to them, challenging them to stay united in character. And so he sets out guidelines that describe someone living by faith, especially in the midst of persecution. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to James chapter 1 and follow along while I read beginning in verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it conceives, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. As James begins his letter, he talks to Christians about the trials they are facing as they are dispersed, as they've been separated from their homeland. Trials are problems or difficulties or troubles, things that can make life tough for us. They often create pressure on us and even anxiety and sometimes even physical difficulty if it is a full-fledged persecution. But ultimately, these trials are anything that reveal our true character and the virtues that we hold. And when everything's going well, it's easy to appear as if we have it all together. It's easy to have others see us as faithful 
But when times become tough, people see how we react, the choices we make, and how we hold up under pressure. This will show others what we value most, what's most important to us, and what actions we're willing to take to get ourselves out of trouble. They reveal our true character. And what James will show us throughout his book is that if you see trials as a way to exercise your faith, good will come from them. If you see them as something you need to minimize or escape, you rob yourself of that good. You rob yourself of those blessings from God. So at the beginning of his letter, James is setting up a contrast between those who face their troubles head on and see them as an exercise in faith and those who try to avoid the pain on their own terms. The first of these contrasts is between perfection and instability. Starting in verse 2, James says that you should be glad that you suffer. And that's a difficult concept for us to wrap our heads around, I think. We see suffering as something bad, and it should be avoided at all costs. But James lets us know that if we approach it in the right manner, and that if we stand up against our trials, if we stand firm, that that will build endurance. The translation that I read said steadfastness, this idea of being able to endure, to go through anything and come out on the other side. It's by experiencing suffering that we better learn how to deal with suffering. But he goes on to say that that kind of endurance or that steadfastness leads us to perfection so that we are lacking nothing. Some of us may be taken aback by that language that we can achieve perfection in any aspect of our life. But part of the problem is the way we understand that word perfection. In English and our time, that tends to mean without any mistakes. But that's not the sense of the word here. The Greek word teleos has to do more with growing up, becoming mature, and becoming what you were intended to be. The teleos, or the perfection of an acorn, is to become an oak tree. It doesn't mean that the oak tree doesn't have knots or uh, twisted branches. It just means that the acorn was intended to be an oak tree, and it became one. It would have not reached perfection if that acorn had become an apple tree, or or a goat, or anything other than an oak tree. And even more to James's point here, That acorn would not have become an oak tree if it had been eaten by a squirrel or if it had grown into a sapling but was destroyed by a storm or dug up by a farmer. It would have been robbed of its opportunity to become an oak tree because it was overcome by its circumstances. So what James is letting us know is there is a person that God intends us to be, a spiritual being inside a physical body, and we can become that if we will allow him to work in our lives through our trials, he'll shape us and mold us and we will become those people. But he goes on to say the ability to endure or to stand steadfastly is in large measure dependent upon how we think. That's why right after that in verse five, he says, if any of you like wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. He shows us that wisdom in our thinking will help us be able to endure the different trials that come on us. And that ability to think correctly, to think wisely, uh, to assess the circumstance we're in and make good choices is something that God grants us generously. 
James says that when you're asking God for these things, we need to make sure that we don't doubt that it's available to us because then you'll become unstable in your thinking. You may start to think, maybe I need to do this myself. Maybe I need to rely on my own wisdom, my own understanding, my own ability to escape suffering. But James lets us know that instability in our thinking keeps us from reaching our full potential our teleos, or our perfection, so that in the midst of our trials, we're not lacking anything. The next contrast that James makes is between being humble and being humiliated. In verse 9, he said, Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation, and the rich in his humiliation. James goes on to talk about the fleeting nature of material wealth and possessions in this life. I've said in previous episodes that I'm convinced that if we can touch it with our hands or see it with our eyes, it can't be that important. The things that matter are the things that are inside us. And very often, poor or humble people have seen that those things get in the way from becoming the person God wants us to be, reaching that perfection that we're called to. And in context of the trials that are being suffered by James's readers, he's letting them know that those who have been humbled by their troubles are better off than those who have not humbled themselves in any situations. The reasoning there is because at some point, God humbles us all. If you're familiar with Philippians chapter 2, we're told in that chapter that there will be a point at which every knee will bow before God. The key to that being a blessing for us is making that choice and humbling ourselves before the king before we're forced to admit it on a final day of judgment. James also sets up a contrast between death and life. In verse 12, he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We're told in Scripture that those who can withstand the trials, the temptations, the problems that come up in their lives, and not give in to doing things their way, but trust God in every circumstance to do things His way, those folks will live forever. And I think we're tempted to read that as some kind of reward and punishment. But I think the point James is making here is that if you allow God to help you stand firm, there is nothing that can destroy you. You're only destroyed if you give up on God and try to do it your own way. If you commit to being on God's side, aligning your thinking with God's thinking, humbling yourself before him and knowing that he offers you the best opportunities for success in every situation— You don't have to worry about being overwhelmed by your circumstances, and you definitely don't have to worry about being defeated by them. You get to live rather than die. And James calls this struggle within us, uh, these times where we may want to do it our way rather than God's way, a time of temptation. And that temptation doesn't come from God. That is us giving in to our own selfish desires. The temptation or the internal conflict can become sin if we give in to those physical desires, and that sin can lead to death. It can lead to our destruction. It can lead to our downfall or our being overwhelmed by the circumstances. 
Again, I'm not sure that James is making the point here that you'll be punished if you sin, but that choosing sin over following God's way of doing things is a path that leads to your own destruction, a path that leads to you being overwhelmed by your circumstances rather than you being able to stand up against them. But as James closes this section that we read, we see James reminding its readers that they don't need to kid themselves, that as we go through this and if we find ourselves standing against problems, trials in our lives, that that is not something that we have done or earned. We don't need to kid ourselves. This is God's work. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. It is God who is giving us everything that is good. I think the converse of that is also true. If it's bad, if it is truly destructive, then it didn't come from God. It came from some other source, either our own selfishness or the power that Satan wields in our lives. But those bad things come from some other source. God has promised that he can take those things and bring good about. But the good things in our life, are the things that have come from God. And as God is doing those good things in our lives, in our world, all around us, he is inviting us to join him in that goodness. The Apostle Paul writes in one of his letters that we were created to do good works. As God exercises his will, he's inviting us to join him so that in that he can transform us into the creation he always intended us to be. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.